Thank you, Francesca, for that reading. And thank you both for that version of Life Uncommon. I love that song, but that was so beautiful. And it's a sign and a reminder of the way that light and joy and spirit can just lift you up and turn you around and put you on your feet again. And in some ways, that's what I've been talking about today. I'm talking about the allies and what it means to really be an ally and what allyship does. I'm sure you've all been seeing way too much of the news and hearing about how in towns and cities and states all over this country, it just feels like hate is winning. There are passing laws that make no sense just to hurt people. And when they have those, especially on TV, when they have those debates and they like to present both sides of an argument, they treat it as if, I don't remember when you were a kid in your science classes and they talked about how science advances, you have your hypothesis, you have your antithesis, and somehow you explore the data and you get a synthesis, and it's always in the middle. And that's how they treat so much of this. How can we talk together and find common ground? You might have heard that one a time or two. And that sounds so calm and reasonable, finding a compromise to end the arguments. But then I look at the footage of the crowds full of hate and anger say, I don't want to find common ground because then we're letting their hate and anger win them ground. Hate wins ground and it's not right. That's not justice. You can't really compromise with injustice. You often hear them say, well, it's just a small group or you know, it's a group that's used to injustice. It's a different type of injustice, but we're used to it. That's not the way justice and injustice work. Maybe you felt the same as me with the laws about abortion access, gender affirming care access, bathroom access, even talking about sexuality and basic human development, talking about any of the actual history of this country. So many things they don't want to have happen. Banning books. And they claim they're protecting the kids, but somehow I don't see how a true story about two male penguins or Rosa Parks on her bus hurt kids. And then on top of it, they've found whole new ways to target communities they've been harming all along with our migrants and immigrants and asylum seekers now being loaded onto private jets paid for by third party states to move them to yet a fourth state just to drop them off and mess with their lives and hopefully disrupt the town you drop them in. 
that's a whole different level of hate. And then I start to get angry. And it's oh so hard sometimes to not hate. I don't know if you've ever felt that. And then I breathe and I remind myself of things I know to be true. I cannot make anyone listen to me. I cannot make anyone change. I cannot present any information or story that will instantly transform even one person's fear and blind anger that has turned into this hate. And then I can feel defeated, saying, what can I do? If we can't make them change, what do we do? Maybe you've had that feeling too. Because in the end, I know people, just as you know, real people are being hurt every day. Trans people and drag queens, along with other LGBTQ folks are facing more hate and violence. Binary and other gender preferences are being targeted for harassment and public humiliation. Those who find themselves pregnant are facing life and death restrictions on their health care, with it diminishing every day. The same goes for gender affirming care. Some may eventually receive care, but how many hurdles and how much unnecessary pain? And we can't stop them, can we? We can't go take over the legislator of another state. That just doesn't work, does it? We can't vote everywhere. Oh, I wish, but we can't. And that's where answering the call of love lies. Because we cannot change those who are afraid and lashing out with hate, but we can help those who are being harmed. And we can be allies to one another. Because this hate has so many targets, almost all of us are in one of those groups. So it may be my turn to step up and help you, and it may be a day when I need to help fight in my corner. And allyship is not easy or simple. You can't just pick a cause and leap into action. Wouldn't that be great? We could all just be superhero sidekicks with our costumes all built in already, and we've all got our powers lined up, and we've been doing our drills, and we just get out there. Doesn't work like that. When you're following that call to love, you have to start by the listening part. But how do you listen? Where is the call to follow? How do you know what's the right thing to do? One of the places is to start by looking at yourself, figure out what skills or talents or knowledge you already have. Maybe you've been working on postcarding so much for voting that you're a wizard with a pen and a stamp. Maybe you make really great sandwiches. Maybe you know something about healthcare policy and law. Maybe you know something about books for kids. You never know what gift of yours might be a great help to someone else. And you never know what action will make a difference. And then you need to start listening. Listening to those who are being hurt. Because 
We can't each key go walking up and saying, okay, I'm here to help, tell me what to do. That's not being a good ally. One thing I've heard recommended over the years is to start by listening in a public social media setting. So not commenting, not making recommendations, just reading. And I said about public groups, because unless you already have a connection, none of us have relationships form immediately. Private spaces and public spaces are both important, especially for marginalized groups for their own emotional safety and support. But what is shared publicly, you can read and you can learn. You can see what different groups are doing, what is happening in their communities, and you can see how they're connected to one another. You can see that web of connected people because you can be sure there's already a bunch of groups trying to figure out how to help. And once you begin to feel that connection to a specific issue or group, how you see those groups connect, you can see if maybe you've already got a way to build a connection. In Hollywood, they have a saying that everyone is connected to Kevin Bacon by six degrees of separation. Guess what? It's not just Kevin Bacon. It's amazing how many of us are connected, maybe by more than six degrees. But there are so many networks, there are so many groups. You may just find a UU congregation in another area that's got an action going that has a way that you can help from a distance. Just like people around the world have joined our community on the Zoom. And they've been part of our actions here. We are part of a network already. We need to build those relationships. That same network that helped our congregation help immigrants who are seeking asylum by giving them a sanctuary space. We didn't build that network, but we answered their call when they came. And it's important to be joining their action. Those who are closest to harm, who are facing the injustice, they need to be the ones setting the goals, setting the types of activities they believe will help. And then we join in to support the action. Or maybe they've got a specific role they need certain allies to do. I don't know how many of you remember just a few years ago. It's so hard to remember anything. It feels like the whole world changes, I don't know, every time I wake up. I don't know about you. But back in the spring and summer of 2020, when we were having the Black Lives Matter protests all across the country after the death of George Floyd, among others, Portland, Oregon became the site of protests because a federal response escalated the official response against the wishes of all the local and state uh, authorities. So they brought in federal agents who were unknown and not wearing uniforms to do crowd control. And there was frequent use of tear gas and arrests night after night. And it was often the case for Black Lives Matter protests all across this nation 
The protest began with a group of protesters who were mostly black. It was a mixed group, but part of the concern about the new response to black protesters is the possibility of police brutality against protesters of police brutality. And each night of the protests, the protesters would remain largely peaceful, but also needed to find ways to protect themselves. And one night, after having seen the response to the protesters, a new group appeared at the protest. It was a whole long line of people who identified it as moms, largely white, suburban and female, wearing bright yellow t-shirts, standing hand in hand in the front of the protest, making of themselves a wall. They were called the wall of moms. Part of the hope of this wall of moms was that their presence and their privilege based on their economic status and the color of their skin would prevent the authorities from attacking the protesters. The response still involved a lot of tear gas, but there was some reduction in the arrests and the violence. And then soon they were joined by another group which stood in front of them, which was called the Dad Squad, who deployed leaf blowers to try to disperse the tear gas. And other groups joined. There was a wall of nurses. There was the wall of vets. There was the wall of firefighters. There were so many walls all lining up to protect the original protesters. Any self-identified group who could organize themselves and could connect and had the willingness and the ability to put themselves in harm's way became part of their own wall. And they all worked together. Now that's a very dramatic and dangerous sounding example of allyship. But it also shows the very best thing about it. It's an action where different people can find different ways of joining, bringing themselves in a way to form a web of mutual support and protection. Maybe some of them will require creative fundraising for legal defense funds, for doctors, nurses, drag queens, asylum seekers. There are too many to name. Maybe here at Fourth U, it's time for us to return to drag cabaret. Who knows what we'll be called to do? Maybe we'll need to help with these new pop-up shelters that Mayor Adams is planning now that immigrants are being dropped into the city from Texas, unannounced. They might need a lot of sandwiches. So if you're good with sandwiches, this might be your time. If I kept going, we'd be here far too long because the list of the ways to help, to be of really help to everybody, to anybody, is infinite. As infinite as love itself. We can each do our one part, and the best thing, none of this is the work that any one person or any one group could ever do. We keep building our web of allies. We don't just assemble and disperse. New allies can keep joining. We can answer the call of love, and our actions will spread the call, and others will answer that call. And the only way we can overcome the hate is by building more and more of that love 
And so I hope that all of us find our own way to be part of answering that call of love. So may it be.